Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting next to Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well, Andrew. Um, this is for our premium people only now. This is so this is, this is premium. So this, this won't go out. You've assured me that. Yep. This okay. is this will not go out. So you could be totally controversial if you want. Um, thank you so much for being a premium subscriber. We hope that you are liking the app. Um, if there's anything we can do to improve it, email me focuscompounding at gmail.com. If there, if you have any questions that That's you want us to go over, yes, yeah. focuscompounding at gmail.com. This yeah. is why you pay for the app. So you we could get access questions. to us talking to you um, directly through the premium podcast. Um, so we're recording this right now and it is November 1st. Okay. So we're, we're pre-recording. We record six podcasts today. This is our sixth podcast. I've been at Jeff. I've been with Jeff since <laughs> noon and it is uh, 5.30 right now. Uh-huh. We recorded three and then he's like, wait, we should do another three. And I'm like, oh, I wish I knew that before we just recorded two hour and yeah. like 20 minute long podcasts. But they were good. They were good. We always try to keep the energy up. So we, we made some coffee, coffee and uh, yeah, because there are sometimes... Much uh, easier than when we started. The earliest podcasts yes, were a problem. The grind. Yeah. We when we first started this podcast, this is the audio only. Um, when you go back to the the um, the uh, archives and go to the first ones and stuff, those were recorded at the end of the day. Yes. After your work day. Yes. Um, in an office that was abandoned. At a, I mean, like you know, everyone was gone from working at that time. Yes. And then we would record them, and we'd have to record however much in a series at one time based on when we could next meet, you know? So like if we needed, if we knew that it was gonna be a long time before we could meet again, then they'd have to do more podcasts that we would do. Yeah. Yeah. We would do three, four. And there were at that time, I think we were doing longer shows. Our niche, I think what people like about, and this is going to be totally counterintuitive to what I just said about (laughs) recording two hour plus long podcasts. People like the fact that they're like 20 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes and like very targeted to what the topic is. Right. Well, we, we, I've mentioned this before, but my initial pitch to you, which I think you forgot, but you you were like, wait, was it based on that? But I pitched the same idea to you a couple of times on the podcast was our podcast should be for investing what the podcast writing excuses is for writing. Give the intro. I like the intro to that podcast. Uh, their intro is um wait something about like wasting people's yes. time not wasting yeah. people's time um oh yeah 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart yeah i yeah. think that's it yeah i like um that. so the initial idea which and then of course over time they there's spread like everyone's they start to get a little bit longer and whatever but if you listen to the very very first ones of that podcast they really were like immediately into the topic no preamble of anything 15 minutes and it's on a specific topic the thing i think is most important is the specific topic yeah. one you um i like people to be able to go look for them and find like that there's one about cash flow statements. A lot of things, which is like what we're doing here, is more a bunch of different ones, which yeah. is fine. But I think, I mean, that's good. It gets you on some different things that you do, but it makes it more timely instead of timeless content. Yeah. You tend to get that. Well, way. if you subscribe to the app, you probably enjoy listening to us. Part of it's you know, the, art, the podcast the and stuff. Yeah. So, oh, that is a yeah. huge part. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes I'll come across Rogan's, Joe Rogan's mm-hmm. podcast. I'm like, holy smokes. He's just talks to this person for three and a half hours. Yeah. 
equally, holy smokes, I just listened to these two men talk for three and a half hours, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and even ones that aren't like that, that were TV things, when you see things that were an hour on TV, they were actually, they're more like the Rogan thing. It's just they cut out all the other stuff, and that's how you get the left with the good stuff. Isn't the form of content, the change in the industry is so fascinating to me? And here's why, for example. So, like, I feel like whenever a new movie was going to come out before, mm-hmm. you would go on Kimmel, you would right. go on Jay Leno, you yeah. would do that. That was sort of your roadshow. Mm-hmm. Now, the roadshow is podcasts. Yes. I mean, you could still do the other stuff, but, like, podcasting mm-hmm. that is you know sort of this new way to connect with people so the new borat movie came out okay, yeah um i didn't see it it was through amazon prime right but he like did a uh, a bit with um gosh i'm drawing a blank on his name right now i can't believe his I can't believe I'm drawing a blank, but he's an influencer. He has like a YouTube channel. He's very oh, big. So on, I would never know yeah, he's that. very big on um, Instagram and everything like that. And the reason he did that, obviously, like people could look at them and be like, oh, that was so funny. I mean, you know why he did it. He did it to get the word out about the new movie and stuff right. like that. So I'm just, it's it's fascinating to see like sort of the new roadshow that these actors and, you know, filmmakers or whatever that they go on or music mm-hmm. um, to really, you know, try to get the word out about their new um it was David Dobrik, by the way, David okay. Dobrik, um, to get out for their new piece. I mean, Matthew McConaughey, he was on so many different podcasts, popular podcasts, to market his new book. Yeah. So if there's a new uh, investing book, of course, we want to promote it here. That's, that is correct. <laughs> we, we get lots of requests for things about that. That's not really what we do. Yeah. Uh, no. That'd we, be fun. We though. have a book I recommend to everyone, Capital Allocation. It's not our book. I mean, it was the one book that we've talked about and stuff that I would recommend to everyone. Um, you know why I don't like having people on to do that? It doesn't seem sincere to me. But like right. Jacob McDonough, that was a very organic, sincere situation. Yeah, we've talked about this before. I'd like to have more guests and things if we have regular people who we like to do that topic with. Um, in other words, repeat people rather than having... Honestly, like we know there's some people who would be bigger guests and would get us more attention and stuff, but it wouldn't, to from our perspective, be as good a show, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's not enough overlap in terms of like what our interests are and what we, you know, uh, the, this, like you were saying, the sincerity of it. Yeah. We're one of the only like 99% our own content in the finance podcast like space. I don't know what it tells you about our personalities. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, we're just sociopaths, <laughs> but no, I mean every, and I'm not hating on it, but that's one of the reasons why I, really didn't want to have a bunch of investors come on a lot is because I'm like everybody else yeah. in FinTwit land or other podcasts, whatever, really it's, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm just going to bring on investors and interview them. And it's like that person they're bringing on is their, their source of content. And I, and that's easy. I could interview right. anybody. I, I love those. I don't necessarily love the, here's the problem. I don't necessarily love those shows. Uh, I mean, let's define the difference between a show and an episode. Um, some of my favorite episodes are exactly that. But unfortunately, I'm there for the person they're interviewing, not for them, right? Yeah. So, like, I've listened to things where you'll say, like, do you, people will say, do you listen to that podcast or whatever? The truth is, yes, I have listened to that podcast, but it's because I wanted I wanted to hear the interview with whoever that was really yeah. good for mm-hmm. an hour or two with that person, more so than listening to that podcast regularly. Uh, and then you, of course, get the same people, right? Because as people can imagine, the behind the scenes of it, there's people who are being promoted to go out and go on these little tours and things. And so they're 
they have the same, just like you see the same, an ad agency will be placing ads in the same sort of content and stuff yeah. for something. You're going to see it all the time. So like our show then would be more similar to other shows. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying we just chose to do it differently specifically for that reason. We experiment. I mean, we didn't really experiment with having guests so much, but we thought about it and did some things with that and decided not to partially from feedback from people. The only other podcast in the finance, like this FinTwit space I could think of that kind of is very similar to ours, which I'll give him a shout out because he does it by himself, is uh, Trey Henninger mm-hmm. at uh, DIY Investing. Right. He very I much does it himself. on his podcast, yeah. Yeah, and he, yeah. he has people on sometimes, but a lot of his episodes are just him, you know, doing the content himself. And that's, and that's hard to do, by the way. Like, right. I've thought about this before. I was like, if I were to do a podcast by myself mm-hmm. without you, like, it's just, it's harder. I mean, you yeah. did a podcast by yourself. Yes, and it's harder. Yeah, harder. It's it's yeah. it's challenging. Yeah. So he's a good example. Someone like that you could have on the podcast and would work out well because there's enough overlap between sp- uh, interests, specific things that we might be interested in, whatever. Um, you know, as opposed to like that, that's the problem. Cause it doesn't fit right. Like mm-hmm. the ones that you have normally. So it, when things, there's not enough overlap, it then gets superficial, right? Because like you, if there's any interview show or something, it can be great if the person interviewing them knows a lot about what they're interested in and all that mm-hmm. but if you have one that's more general it has to always be more about the person and about you know and so yeah. sometimes it's good sometimes it's yeah not. we don't care about that person <laughs> just kidding there's a i mean but like to get into a deeper conversation that's more than just about them yeah any interviewer can do stuff that's about that person right so you could watch um uh you know david letterman can interview someone that's all about that person in their life and stuff but they can't really have much of a conversation about a subject matter mm-hmm. and because both of them would need to overlap in terms of their interest in that subject he could probably about comedy with a comedian mm-hmm. but he can't just generally with a politician have a subject matter discussion of like you know he can talk about know how to ask the right questions stuff. and stuff yeah. yeah you can talk about them as humans but it's hard to talk about particularly things like that yeah well that's why i think joe rogan is so great because if you, I guess, go across the different uh, topics that he chats and has like great conversations with, uh, he's he's pretty good at at doing that. Um, Alex Jones was on his podcast, okay, and I want to bring this up because we talk about podcasting a lot. All right, they recorded their podcast. He said he fact checked everything in that episode as it was yeah. going on because he was worried about the higher ups. Yeah, Spotify removed the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it and it's almost like, what does that mean? Because he went to Spotify supposedly because he was worried about censorship with Google and big tech and all that other stuff. And now it's like, you know, and Spotify is um, probably more of a liberal company, I guess. I don't know if that's like bad to say, you know, so it's like they censored uh, and they removed that podcast. Yeah. I mean, that is going to be a problem for some of these. And current, big, currently, like big tech, they're dealing with that. Twitter, yeah. Facebook, they were um, testifying in mm-hmm. front of Congress over Zoom uh, last week. And yeah. Ted Cruz mm-hmm. bodied Jack Dorsey. Okay. Yeah. Because of censorship of like, uh, you know, like the Hunter Biden thing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean... It's a problem that they'll face because they've gone to be a size where if they're expected to be kind of gatekeepers for some things, um, that's what will happen. But it's not new. I mean, companies have always had decisions that are more internal that you haven't seen, guidelines about what they will and won't do, even in the United States and stuff. Most things are not really 
the FCC telling you what you should do. It's your own standards and practices of stuff. Um, there's plenty of there. I can think of plenty of books that are published in the U S not published in the UK. Yeah. Um, because they had some censorship on things. Uh, they actually had a group that did that there from the government here. It's going to be companies doing it. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about remember when the whole Jeff Bezos thing came out last year <laughs> and he supposedly told everyone at the Washington Post, like, don't hold back, report whatever you got to report. Okay. Forget about it. Who would ever do that? You yeah. know, could you imagine the someone from the Washington Post writing a ton of different articles about Jeff Bezos when that whole like scandal thing happened? Uh, yeah. He was like having an affair. I mean, who would do that? <laughs> it's like career suicide. Yeah. You know, so I mean, you're right, though. I mean, it's I guess and that's always going to happen in some form. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, people well, always the, talk about yeah. like, go ahead. I was going to say the difference is and for some of these things, there's not enough um, uh, outlets for a minority sort of opinion on different topics. So that's what's going to happen. So the like media things in the past, right? It's a little weird now because how things used to work is that very fringe opinions got no coverage at all. Because you need it to be big enough for a media outlet to have that opinion to be promoting what you are talking about. But it was very, but the second or third most popular opinion on something was very well represented because it was like an oligopoly. So if you have an oligopoly in some town or whatever, a few different newspapers and stuff, then what will be reported is the two or three biggest sort of um, opinions on something. Mm -hmm. But what you will not get is weird conspiracy theory things about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you also won't get only one opinion about it. Now you run the risk of two different things happening. One very fragmented thing. So you have things reported that people see in places and that it seems of equal truth to them as anything else that they might have because it's not being sorted out by media things. But two, when you get down to things like Google, like with YouTube, right, that it's actually hard to have an alternative, uh, um, they actually kind of have, they're ultimately the ones making the decision of whether or not that content gets out at all. For most things, that's not true. But for YouTube, that's definitely true. That basically some video content won't go out if Google doesn't decide that it meets its standards. Mm -hmm. You know? And that is something that did not, you know, didn't exist before. Because there were other alternative things. There were other... um ways to get out on tv newspaper magazines whatever those sorts of things if you had to guess i think twitter is at a 10 billion dollar market cap mm -hmm. um how much they uh do in r&d a year what would you guess well i think i know this i think you said this oh did i say that yeah, when i say i that? think you said it Let's oh i was talking about yesterday yeah yeah so we were together yesterday i couldn't believe it like six to eight hundred million yeah. And they do 3.4 billion in sales. R&D is a little weird in terms of how they determine oh, what I it guess is. it's a $32 billion market cap too. Um, how they determine what to count as it, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah. Twitter's Tesla doesn't do that much. Is that right? Tesla does. I think like actually it's like 600 something million. million. Okay, so that's, I, that's what was surprising. Right. Me. But I have seen companies that, that don't break it out. Uh, I mean, sorry, I've seen companies where if you read their accounting, the way they're breaking out, I think is a little strange. So there are some companies that say that they're doing almost no R&D, uh, whereas almost everything is a custom project for their customer that actually involves R&D. Um, and then the, the ones that you always see, I guess, are this sort of thing, which is centralized stuff that they're doing for their platform or whatever, I guess. Um, that always seems to get reported as R&D. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one day we're going to look back at Twitter yeah. and be like, I don't know what that price is, but 
we'll be like, of course, Twitter is, you know, a trillion dollar company. Our country runs on Twitter. Our president communicates well, see, with Twitter. This is a really, really, and we all and like you don't, but like everyone listening me, we all use it and it's great for many different things. Mm-hmm. We're like, how, I mean, how did we miss that? Right. But here's the question, but look, not a cheap company. No, absolutely not. So yeah. this is trading at, um, it's trading at 10 times sales, right? Mm-hmm. So that's very, very expensive. And yet the market cap is very small compared to other media companies. It shows you the business value of how you can charge for different things. Um, there, so, go ahead. So as a rule, entertain. <laughs> how is this possible? I'm looking right. at this. Facebook, they yeah. do 71 billion right. in revenue. Yes. And Twitter did 3.4 billion. But we know why, but like we know why that is. Think about this. If we ran ads in our podcast, what would we be paid? And if they ran ads generally in YouTube, what would they be paid and stuff? You know, the the difference is that much. Facebook gets several dollars worth of monetization of their per person yeah. of their advertising. So it has so much to do on the advertising. It's very interesting. I don't know what Facebook, like, I don't know about how Facebook targets certain things and whether if that targeting changed and stuff, it would affect their uh, profitability a lot for their um, company because of how it would ma- what it would matter to advertisers. But their business certainly seems built around that. Mm-hmm. It's an advertiser supported media company, and so in their case, it seems to have a lot to do with the um, with the tar- way the ads are targeted and stuff, with the ROI that the advertisers are seeing on Facebook. That's the difference, and they're not seeing it on Twitter. Um, that's obviously what's happening because Twitter's ability, I mean, how many users does Twitter have and stuff? Uh, let's see if we can find that in the business description. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as a, as a point, if you look at the revenue things and you look at revenue for Facebook, what's happening is Facebook has incredibly high um, uh, Google says there are 330 million okay. monthly active users and 145 million daily so active users. So Facebook uses monthly active users, so we'll use that for Twitter. So um, that would be... Um, Should we find out what Facebook is? Oops. Facebook. Yeah, well, that's easy you know, because they claim to be a few billion. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 1.62 billion. Obviously, it's not daily. right because I happen to know a few people who had the same thing happen to them, which is they created multiple Facebook accounts and their real account was gotten rid of and their fake one was kept. Ah. So Facebook's thing for doing that is a little weird. But um, if we look, we'll see that Facebook, right? So if you go, all right, go to QuickFS for Facebook. All right. As you can see, so Facebook is supposedly on a monthly active user basis. Uh, what do we just decide? Eight One times the size of Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they should be eight times the size. And their revenue is how much in 2019? 70.6 billion. Right. And Twitter's, we decided, well, you can go back to it to it's see. 3.4 billion. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So 20 times. So the just even on revenue basis, you're having a, what, two and a half times advantage. Um, so they're generating at least two and a half times more revenue per user, um, which is all advertising stuff, obviously. Um, and that's the really big difference that you have. It's interesting to me that the Facebook thing is not, I mean, the Facebook thing to some extent is what you'd expect if there was a business like this, that, um, but the Twitter thing is very interesting that it's had no ability to really turn it into a profitable and growing business over time i mean how incredible is it in 2010 facebook did two billion 
in revenue. And well, yeah, but nine years later. Yes, that's impressive. That is crazy. Yeah, but the media thing is like if it if you I mean the people made fun of this in the two thousand thing, the following the eyeballs and all that stuff, valuing it based on that. But that is what it depends on. Mm-hmm. So if people are using it. Um, eventually the advertising will move there. And we've talked about that. If I know that you're spending 2% of your time somewhere and I see that only 0.2% of total ad spending is that place, um, then I expect that to grow a lot. I expect those two numbers to converge eventually. Mm-hmm. Now, Facebook, it's more than converged though. Yeah. Well, when I read Unfiltered about Instagram, they walked through Mark's thinking because everyone thought he was insane for paying a billion for Instagram. Mm-hmm. They're like, what? This company literally does zero revenue. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it, it, it's not about that. It's about getting the eyes, continue to grow it. Yeah. And then worrying about that later. So it just matters if people are on it. Um, but Twitter obviously has a problem, which I don't know about all of that. Uh, it may have some issues to do with how the engagement is. That's the other thing that's very interesting. Because like on the when I was looking at things on Netflix, I noticed that Netflix's level of engagement is extremely poor looking compared to a lot of companies so um for entertainment stuff so it seems that people are um sort of vegging out in -hmm. their experience with netflix and so i think like poor quality content is more valuable on netflix than it would be uh guilty pleasures let's call them and things like that should do better on netflix than they would in other places whereas some like um higher quality movies and things i'm not sure are necessarily worth more on netflix than other places because the thing netflix cares about is actually your engagement in terms of how much time you spend on them Mm -hmm. um and that's the stickiness that they find from you and you're not just because you love a movie or something doesn't mean you're going to actually spend a lot of times with netflix so there's a big shift towards tv and then also i think like lower quality things and stuff like that some of the numbers with netflix are amazing like i think i mentioned to you Nielsen had data on how many people start a movie and then don't finish in the first day with Netflix. On a typical Netflix movie, it's already like 75% of people don't watch a movie to the end on the day they started. Wow. Um, where you're comparing to like 100% in theaters if you have a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So we because we were talking about like um, Bond and things like that. Like Bond was offered apparently or consider like there was some effort to feel out Apple and Netflix about buying it. But I do wonder how valuable something like that is to Netflix. And my guess over time is like it's a lot less valuable than you might think. And there's a lot of, you know, Tiger King or what's what it yeah. called? Not Tiger King. Yeah, Tiger yeah, King. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of um, other like more stuff. controversial stuff. Have, it's yeah, good for shows. Constant and, supply yeah. of that. Uh-huh. But what is very valuable, I think, is for Netflix, which should be less valuable to others, is like The Office. Mm-hmm. Because they can rack up a lot of different hours of, of reruns of people watching that. Somewhat comfort, uh, TV, whatever, things That's like that. That's the show that everybody falls asleep to. Right. And if, like, I'm yes. serious. When, yeah. Do you watch The Office? I love The <laughs> Office. That's like, I fall asleep to it. That's yeah. the show that people are like... They've seen each episode a zillion times and they just close it. Like if I want to fall asleep to something, that's what I put on. Yeah. So I think Netflix has transitioned a bit from um, to a somewhat better business than it had been. Uh, because I don't think it actually needs that much high quality content to keep people now. Uh, I think that just having a ton of this lo- uh, of of content that is more um, bingeable stuff of whatever mm-hmm. that people will use that they may not actually rate that highly in terms of their enjoyment of it compared to certain things that are not a lot of hours you get out of them is 
um, is changed because years ago they depended more on movies and stuff Mm -hmm. and getting people to sign up sometimes depends on that. But getting people to stick with you may just depend on having a fairly good amount of this other stuff um, that they have to keep you engaged with just watching a lot of it. Basically to have it be the thing you fall asleep to and stuff. Well, they're raising their prices. Yep. To like what, nine or 17 bucks? I, think, I don't see any problem like that. with that. I think they'll be raising their prices a lot over time. I'm, I, I've thought about it. I'm like, what's it worth? What's the point where I'll say, okay, I'm not going to I don't think it'll subscribe. Be. Yeah, I don't think pricing is what's going to stop anyone from subscribing because um, there's a few reasons. One, I think they'll match each other in pricing pretty similarly. So some people make arguments that you should switch from this to some other thing, but most people will use a few different services together. Then the other thing is it's incredibly low versus certain other things. So um, the big one is like, think about how much people spend on phone and internet and things like that Mm -hmm. and how little they spend on entertainment stuff. So that's the huge change versus what it was like with cable huge pricing increases in terms of how much people are spending on internet and phone and how so i assume we'll use phone as an internet as the combination of like what people used to use for everything that was entertainment um that number's gone up huge compared to what it was like before whereas the entertainment number is going down because if you're not using if you're you know cutting the cord and all that stuff your actual entertainment spending is really low compared to your total mix of what you used to get from a cable provider is that because the source of entertainment has shifted over the years well i think it's in large part because you've taken out the middleman and so you can price at a Mm. lower level and then two i think similar to how cable started out it's also these are money losing businesses Mm -hmm. so they aren't charging enough i mean um if we look let's look at like um netflix for instance how much they were able to generate um let's see they tolerated lower prices for a long time to get everyone signed up. Is sure. What I'm saying basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once you have them signed up, you can increase prices a lot. Netflix also still has a very low tier thing, um, which is very cheap. So they're incredibly low. I mean, I think in general, it's a very low priced. We lost internet. Okay. I'm flying blind again. I think it's a very low priced um, service, which I expect to raise prices consistently like all the time. But I also expect that from the other streaming services. What they'll do is they'll try to get, so your HBO Max or Disney Plus, things like that. Yeah. Once user growth is in a country, you know you can never get more users, right? Then some people will start suggesting to them that what they should do is raise prices and then they'll just be raising prices all the time. Mm -hmm. I'd say they have a ton of pricing power long-term. Really? Yeah, I think a ton. Um, Because I just don't see it as likely that people are going to cancel for the reason of pricing. Um, I also think that most people will sign up to a variety of different things. Um, I don't like a bunch of different platforms. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I think it's likely that they would be signed up for Netflix, Hulu, Amazon prime, um, HBO max, Disney plus you add all that stuff together. That's still less than many people are paying for cable. Um, so I could see that. And then sometimes they might decide to cancel some of them and stuff, but each one as an item, isn't going to seem that big and it's going to seem somewhat complicated to them to remember what things they have and what, um, services and what they'd be losing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Some people, I think people will cancel for other reasons. I think some people will cancel anytime they're not watching something on it Uh and cycle through and maybe not Netflix because I feel like it's a staple, but like, you think like Showtime or HBO and stuff like that. Right. And then they, when they have some show that they watch 
come back or something, then they might um, they subscribe again. But a lot of that is like um, inertia. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, what's the right price for it? I large numbers of people would still subscribe to Netflix if it was if you you know boil the frog slowly. Yeah. Two or three times higher, yeah. Wow. They'd still be doing it, sure. Do you like uh, Amazon Prime? Or, yeah. I thought about canceling Amazon Prime. I have it for the shipping. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, what? It's nothing. What do I pay? 10 bucks a month or something? Yeah. You pay I, I had it and before. then divide it into it. Yeah. Are, do you pay one time a year? Yeah. Okay. Because I used to be on that plan. Okay. I think the new plan is now like every month. Okay. All right. Yeah. I heard there were rumors that came out about Bezos buying CNN. Have you heard that? Uh, no, I had not heard that. Yeah. He wants to run a media empire. <laughs> okay. Apparently. Yeah. If that's true. Um, yeah. So I, I keep it just for the um, shipping, but I thought about getting rid of it because over time I've bought less and less from Amazon. So hmm. yeah, but, but that's because I already peaked in terms of like you talk about an early adopter or something. I adopted stuff from Amazon much earlier than other people. And so I think the saturation point for me in terms of what I buy from Amazon happened faster than it will for other people. Just like when we talk about the cord cutting thing, I haven't had cable in like over eight years. So, um, or like Kindle, I was, was when Kindle first came out, I got it. So when you, you get to a point faster where it's like, well, am I reading more on Kindle now than I did before? No, that peaked a few years into reading it or something. And, and same sort of thing with Amazon. Over time, I've used Amazon less and less. And I think it's because the relative advantage of Amazon has shrunk over time. Um, what does that mean? More and more places online uh, have wider selections, lower prices, and faster delivery and things. Delivery stuff especially was very poor with their competitors and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's more choices for stuff mm-hmm. now. Um, so that may be one of the explanations. There might be other explanations that I'm not thinking of. Um, offline things, you know, that's that's another possibility too. I would say maybe more of my spending has shifted offline too. Really? Um, due to like COVID stuff. Mine's probably shifted more to online. Right. Because I was always the person I'm like, well, if I want it, I don't want to wait a couple of days. I'll just go get it myself at Best Buy or whatever. Or right. Whatever it is. Even if I have to pay a couple extra bucks. But now I'm just like, well, I'll just order it. And it'll be here tomorrow or two days yeah, or whatever. I think that happened to a lot of people where they're okay with that. They've gotten more comfortable with the Amazon Prime yeah. thing. And I'm trying to actually use it for like more stuff like toothpaste or right. toilet paper, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when I got prime, that was true and it increased it for a little while. And then over time it's been less. Um, so I don't know all the details of why that is exactly, but I think it's increasing other offerings from other places. I mean, the biggest thing for them that's just tough is if I really kind of run through it, I think it's hard for them to compete with offline you have to want the convenience of being able to order from like you were just saying for your home and it doesn't really you don't care if it comes anytime soon Mm -hmm. and there's lots of products where i think people will buy that and it's fine but i think on a lot of things it's just very hard for them to compete in terms of price and speed like you were saying with offline so i just think it's like more inertia and convenience and stuff i think amazon's biggest offering to people now is convenience uh even I would say like laziness, it's just, uh, you know, it's sufficing. Mm -hmm. They don't have to have the best, um, 
the lowest price or the best product or anything like that. It's just you can do it all in one place. Yeah. So your search is combined. You know that when you they type make something it so in there, you'll too. find it that way. You click you know? buy with one You've click. You've already given them your card, uh, which is important that there's yeah. already payment stuff there and things like that versus going to a store and, and all those Taking two things. seconds, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that on average you're going to get like lower prices on Amazon or any of those sorts of things. So I think it's gotten to that point. Um, and there's a lot of products that that's true for, um, we've talked before about, like, I think that's one thing that really hurt. I know some people like GameStop, but one thing I think really hurt it is that there is the convenience issue for people or it's not, I don't know. I'd say laziness instead of convenience really is it. They could get the game just as fast and be playing it. If they went to a GameStop, got it, came back and, uh, with the physical disc, but they can download it while doing other things and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't require those extra steps. And I think that's happened. And we've seen more and more things where I underestimated that. What about food? media things. People mm-hmm. use Amazon for food delivery. Yeah. Like I, groceries and stuff. That to me yeah, is just crazy. That. I don't know. I've used that. Did you like it? Um, I mean, here's a big part of why. I don't why want someone I, picking all my bananas. <laughs> a, a big part of why I decreased Amazon over time Um is Amazon has delivery issues. So Amazon started using certain things that weren't FedEx and UPS, and they're not very reliable. And so that started to cause all sorts of problems. So I had poor experiences with Amazon, whereas I had never had before because of this delivery issue. And that, in fact, is what happens in part with the grocery thing, um, that when you get those things, because of how it's delivered, it's going to be delivered differently, which it has to be for, for grocery items. And then that's not that reliable. And so there's more mistakes made that way and stuff. To be fair, Amazon make pays like reimburses you for things when they make mistakes and do all sorts of good customer service things. But they're, they, anything that's their own delivery thing is very poor. They've never been able to duplicate what UPS and FedEx and stuff do, none of the reliability of that. And so your customer service stuff is really going to, drop when you do that the other thing which and there were articles about this unreliability of third parties on amazon so you do sometimes get items so like with amazon grocery things as long as you're doing whole foods things and stuff amazon grocery you're going to get fresh items and whatever things if you buy specific items that are third party stuff without knowing it um i mean not you know it it says it right there but you may not be paying attention to this fact um you get things that are expired you get things that are not an exact match of what you wanted and things like that. It's not quite up to the standards of an in-store experience mm-hmm. where when you have something in a store, it's always going to be something that's fairly recent. It's not stale inventory. It's not all those problems. And that's just a, both of those things are like problems that Amazon I'm sure is very aware of that they have that problem. Um, logistics has always been a hard thing for them. And then, using third parties is great for their profits because it's just like a marketplace that they have. But of course the incentives involved, like the incentives on Amazon are kind of to, to um, be more for the third party is to be more promotional, rip you off a little bit more, put up fake reviews, do all those sorts of things Mm -hmm. as opposed to in a store where that just wouldn't be allowed. Someone in a store doesn't just turn over part of their store to, anyone who can sell stuff. You sure. Know? Yeah. So that's kind of stuff that has to be avoided for them. Somebody tweeted the other day that they ordered something from Amazon and when it came to them, it was from Walmart. So I wonder, and I've heard about little 
arbitrage situations by doing stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've gotten some things from Amazon and stuff which are not what they, uh, not exactly what they said it was going to be. It's not from Amazon. It's from a third party. Mm-hmm. I've also had problems with third parties too where they basically, I believe, never intended to ship something with any speed. They then contact you after they've told you it's shipped and that it's going to take a long time and stuff. But I think that's not the purpose of it. I think the purpose is to get your money and stuff. They do eventually give you the product. Yeah. But it's because they must know that if it's said will take a week to ship, no one would order it. Yeah. And so with Amazon's things that they have online, if it looks like it's going to ship immediately and then they just delay it for everyone all the time then they're going to get orders. I know? did that with workout bands at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. And it came like four months later. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it was that, a pain. that kind of thing will happen. And I think that's like third parties taking advantage of certain things about what we'll sell. It also causes some other problems because I think for one thing, I think lower priced items that are poor quality, sort of like uh, infomercial type products mm-hmm. will do better on Amazon than they would in stores and things for the same sort of reason. I, I ordered, uh, I also ordered paper towels mm-hmm. and they sent me, which by the way, not what the, the description was and not what it was in the picture. They sent me paper towels without like that, uh, cardboard, uh, right. uh, you know, rolling thing. Yes. It was just like literally paper towels in a bag. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So it's a question of how much you will put up with that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think the two risks for Amazon in terms of customer service and stuff, cause they've tried to be very good at customer service is third parties and their own delivery systems. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two big risks of things going really badly wrong. And for some people, there will be bad customer experiences based on that, where there wouldn't have been if Amazon doesn't use third parties at all. And if it used UPS and FedEx for everything, then it would be very reliable. But part of that is like the growth and everything. Their growth is so big. Um, and I think we'll see. Like I th- a lot of people keep using Amazon even if they don't, aren't always happy with it. So I'm sure that customer satisfaction, I'm not sure, but I suspect customer satisfaction with Amazon over time will go down. The brand will be thought of less well over time. Um, and yet they'll still have a very good share of, um, of people's actual buying and stuff. And that's not that weird. I mean, I think that's what happened with Walmart for the most part is what I just described. I think it was thought of much more positively by its customers in the earlier years and then less so over time, but it didn't stop them from buying a lot from them. And I think that's probably true for Amazon. What do you think? Yeah, I would say that's true. I love Amazon. I'll never not use it, honestly. I love yeah. um, how easy it is. I mean, you know, you, you just it's like if I want something, I'll just pull out my phone real quick, order it, and I don't even think about it. As lazy as this sounds, the worst part about using Amazon is having to walk down <laughs> Yeah, to the the uh, first floor of my building or whatever to um, to pick it up. I'm kind of being facetious, but I mean, like even like Audible, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon. I mean, everything is just kind of through their ecosystem. I really like it. Yeah, that's the advantage a lot of these companies have, right? That they can combine a bunch of different Amazon things. Prime. Yeah, they can combine a bunch of different things and like as a bundle Mm -hmm. and you'll keep using them. Yeah. Even Uh, simple things, right? Like you could record, you can return audio books. Okay. Like I didn't, I I always thought you had to call them and return Mm -hmm. it for whatever reason. But on my app, you can literally return an audio book. Now it'll make you delete the, it'll automatically delete the book from your, your library on the app. But still you could have like 
you could never have to pay for new books. I wouldn't do that because I just don't think that's right. But I mean, they just literally go so far to make the customer experience good. Yeah. I haven't had problems with um, the customer service stuff at all. Um, I've had to return things a couple times where they, uh, twice I had to return things where I couldn't return the item. I just told them because I wasn't going to send it back that they sent me a destroyed item. Um, one was glass. So I was destroyed. Yeah. Another was like a furniture type item wood. Again, there's not much point in sending back split wood and stuff that way, but there is a downside to all those things, which is like, if you get something that's completely unusable, you know, I mean, I haven't had that happen from a store. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. You know, if like, there are things like, okay, if you buy a printer from Best Buy or you order it online, are you willing to do that? I mean, I've ordered printers online and been happy with it and stuff, but it does present a risk that like the shipping and stuff of it isn't, you know, it's not up to the standards of the safety that you have in a store. And so you will have some bad experiences, but I think then you just return it and you, you know, you get over it that way. Mm -hmm. For a lot of things that they have, they'll be okay that way. Some categories you don't want very high returns on because it destroys the economics of it. Um, But I just adopted so much of it so early that I think that's why Um, I've, been a big user of amazon for at least 17 years i would say and i know from my early history with it that i was spending over a thousand dollars a year in books when i first started with amazon they were um amazon is great for books yeah yeah so i just but you do hit a point where there's a lot of saturation of that but for most people it's way way less than what i was spending and they're way less further along they became customers much later and started doing that Mm -hmm. much later you know and so i think that they'll stick with it even if the overall like if i would say my customer satisfaction scores would be lower now i would say that's true i would say that you know over the last few years my satisfaction with amazon has gone down a bunch but my purchasing has only gone down a little so i think that indicates that they have a strong mode yeah somebody should send this podcast to jeff bezos Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with us. This is a premium podcast, and we certainly appreciate you being um, a premium holder of our podcast. We hope you're enjoying the backlog. Email me, focuscompounding at gmail.com. We need questions. I want to spend maybe like a fourth of the podcast going through questions and answers. And I think yeah, that would be the best, best way to, yeah, to connect yeah. with all of our listeners. And we're Definitely very thankful for you being a subscriber. If you're listening to this on the website, there's a better option. Download the app on iOS or Android. Uh, Just type in Focus Compounding, and then you could type in your login information there, and you'll get access to everything. But uh, email focuscompounding at gmail.com, and you could also email gannononinvesting at gmail.com as well, uh, which will go to Jeff. Correct? Yes. Email a question. Or questions, you can email multiple ones. Um, we definitely, that would be the biggest help to get an idea of what people who subscribe to the app want answered. Correct, correct. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you in the next podcast. Take care.